Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is the video version of my Tech Guy podcast. The shows you're about to see are the best portions of Saturday and Sunday, April 23rd and 24th. This is episode 763 and 764. Enjoy. What a way to start a show. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Hey, a good day to you. This is the show where we talk about technology. Anything with a chip in it, computers... Internet, cell phone, camcorders. I guess it doesn't have to be chips because it could be software and, and the internet too. And uh, when I said what a way to start the show, that was because seconds before I began, I spilled my coffee into the electronics over here. So what we're going to learn today is uh, that moisture and technology do not mix. If you hear any sharp buzzing sounds, if I suddenly go off the air... Well, the Tech Guy Labs is in uh, lockdown right now. They always say, you know, it's funny because um, I know uh, Bill Hickey, our chief engineer of Premier Radio Networks, is shaking his head because they always say every, you know, every studio I've ever worked in in radio says a big sign, do not bring your coffee in here. Especially if you, you know, that's for the engineer, the person sitting at the board. The hosts, usually they have a sanitized little booth that the host can't do much damage in mostly rubber coated and uh but the engineers people like you kyle the guys who run the big expensive you know quarter million dollar mixing boards do not bring your coffee in here of course every time i work i bring coffee in and water and liquids of all kinds because i'm a rebel and of course one of the things i said when i built my studio is i will never have a sign on the door that says no coffee allowed now I'm regretting it. <laughs> Hoist with my own Java-flavored petard. Thank you, Alex. Alex uh, Gumpel, who is uh, is my intern and uh, good right hand, is mopping up. Was that a whole roll of paper towels you used for that? Uh, about a half. Half? <laughs> he made it. Was it was all Alex's fault. <laughs> it's his fault. If he hadn't scared me... <laughs> Poor Alex. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs> this is uh, the joys of internship, kids. That that keyboard is not is not going to last. It mostly uh, hit a keyboard. I don't know what this is. That keyboard that goes to the Final Cut uh, recording machine. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to <laughs> continue on. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's my phone number. Eight, 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 two, seven, five, five, three, six. That's toll free from anywhere in the U.S. Or Canada. Kyle, you don't have a cup of coffee there in the control room, do you? Is Bill Hickey listening Is right Bill now? Is Bill Hickey listening, he asks? <laughs> no, I do not. No, I bet they have a big sign. You're not allowed because it's a very... And I can't tell you how many times I've spilled coffee into the uh, this, the, 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 the works. It's not a good thing to do. What do you, If this happens... Actually, here, we'll turn this into a teaching moment. If this happens to you... The first thing to do is, is, the, is the first thing I have not done, which is disconnect. Like that keyboard, we should have immediately removed it from any power. Because the thing you don't want to have happen is a short circuit. So if, you, uh, if, you, if it spills into any electronics, immediately 
as quickly as you can before you even start mopping up. Well, actually, with your left hand, disconnect the power while you mop up with your right hand. It should be kind of as quickly as possible because that's the biggest risk. Now, of course, if you spill water, it's not such a big deal because water will evaporate eventually. And if you haven't caused a short circuit, you probably can, um, can start up again. If you spill coffee with cream, as I did, you're in trouble. If you spill coffee with cream and sugar, forget it. <laughs> if you spill a soda with, with sugar in it, forget it. If you spill a diet soda, you might be all right. Depends on the chemicals. We need a ShamWow. You're absolutely right. There we go. There goes the keyboard. Bye-bye. You know, the funny thing is, I've actually put keep... Now, I'm not going to recommend this because I don't want letters and emails from you saying, I tried it, Leo. You owe me uh, for a keyboard. But... Keyboards are pretty uh, grody, especially if they're shared, right? After, you know, after a while, they get kind of eggy. Just look at your own keyboard. You can, you can, in most cases, tell exactly what keys you press the most. <laughs> you can see what you had for lunch yesterday in some cases. So they get, pretty, they get pretty bad. I put them in the dishwasher, which shows you that water isn't necessarily bad for electronics if, uh, if it's not uh, connected. And, and by the way, there is a, a mortality rate for, for keyboards in the dishwasher. Do not use soap. <laughs> Just put them in the dishwasher with hot water. And they often come out really clean. Now, here's the key. you got to let them thoroughly dry, like for days, before you plug it in again. Because if there's any moisture left and you plug it in, then you are going to short circuit. But keyboards aren't expensive. And I think it, you know a good way to sanitize a keyboard, especially if it's all plastic... You know, I've tried taking the keycaps off, and you know, that's too much trouble. So I run them through the dishwasher, and if it dies, you know, I, I would say about one in six or seven die, and you're out 35 bucks, you get a new keyboard. Do not do this with your cell phone, however. How many of you are at show of hands have dropped your cell phone into various <laughs> yeah, liquid receptacles, shall we say? <laughs> it used to, you know, nowadays people, I think, carry their cell phones in their pocket. But it used to be when you had it on a holster. Man, every time. <laughs> every single... <laughs> I'll never forget, and it, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually been enshrined now in a Microsoft commercial. But it happened to me. I was in a men's room. A guy's on the phone in the men's room talking loudly, really annoying. And, uh, and drops it into the urinal. And it's very hard not to stand there and just laugh, <laughs> especially watching him trying to make the very difficult decision about what to do next. Do you grab it and pull it out or do you just say, that's it, see a cell phone? Well, let me talk about that. So most cell phones today have, they're very clever because what, what, happened, what started happening is people would bring in their BlackBerry uh, with water damage. They would have dried it out. It just wouldn't work for some reason. And they'd have to give you a new one. So now what they do is they put a little paper strip in these things that when uh, uh, it gets wet, changes color. So they'll bring it into the back room. They try not to do this in front of you because they don't want you to get wise to this. They'll bring it in the back room and they'll open it up and they'll go, <laughs> and they'll say, you dropped this in, in the water, didn't you? What? Yes, it's been wet. I'm sorry, this is not a warranty repair. So it's kind of tricky. If you can... If you do get, if you drop your cell phone into a puddle, uh, open it up as quickly as you can and pull that battery. And 
Don't I would not dry it with a hair dryer. One thing you can do is put in a box uh, of with rice in it or one of those desiccants or a bunch of desiccants, but let it dry for longer than you think, days before you power it back up. If it's just water, if there's not sugar in it or some other substance, uh, oftentimes that's sufficient. Yes, the strip will have turned color, so you won't be able to get money back on it, but uh, that works. I'm not recommending, by the way, that you put your keyboard in the dishwasher. I'm merely observing that I have done it, and we will do it with that one. That's a pretty fancy one, that, that keyboard. It has all sorts. Maybe we should get the um, Fisher-Price My First Keyboard keyboard back in there. That thing, I could spill coffee on that all day. And those big keys <laughs> make it so easy to type. Um. The reason you put the rice in is, as you probably know, I don't know if you've ever done this in salt. If you live in a humid climate, you put the rice in with the salt in a salt shaker, it absorbs moisture. So the salt doesn't cake up. The same thing if you put rice in a box. Actually, when I was at the Consumer Electronics Show, there was a company selling a, a chemical desiccant designed for exactly this. You take the cell phone and, and put it in this thing, uh, this box with a desiccant. You leave it for a few hours. And in theory, it absorbs all the moisture out of it. And the thing is dry as a bone and you can power it up. But that's the key. It's got to be dry as a bone before you reapply power. So, thank you, Alex. The, uh, the uh, hazardous waste team, the hazmat team, has been in here in their bunny suits. And they've completely sanitized the area. So we are now able to continue on with our radio program. Coming up uh, this uh, hour, uh, Scott Wilkinson, our home theater expert. He'll be on at 33 past the hour. Uh, of course, uh, if you've got a question about home theater, he's the guy to ask, but we'll also take questions on anything with a chip in it. Phone number 8888-ASK-LEO. I am Leo Laporte, the wet tech guy. I was trying to cross the street when I tripped and spilled my coffee on a man who yelled at me. Then he walked off in a hurry. Now he's going to be late for work. So we called his secretary, said to cancel his appointment with the guy in the lobby. How do you find these songs, Kyle? <laughs> Natasha Bedingfield, come on. Of course, everybody knows Natasha Bedingfield. This is good. I like it. I've never heard it. So uh, sometimes spilling coffee on somebody is a good thing. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. Talking about technology, computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, dropping things in liquid and trying to recover them. Lonnie on the line from Tustin, California, our first call of the day. Hi, Lonnie. How you doing, Leo? Wonderful. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Watch you all the time on Twit TV. Bless you. <laughs> Well, I didn't sneeze. Somebody sent me an email saying, why are you named Twit? <laughs> don't you know what that means? Don't you, don't you know that you stole that from Twitter? And I have to explain, no, no, uh, Twit's been around a lot longer than Twitter. Uh, Twitter just, it's a coincidence or, well, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but uh, unfortunately we're stuck with it. But I like the name and I think it's easy to find. One of the advantages of being Twit is when you Google the word Twit, we show up as number one result on Google because I've been doing this for six years. It's a podcast network, folks, for, for those of you who are wondering what Lonnie and I are talking about. So what can I do for you today? Well, my second son is becoming a bar mitzvah. Oh, how exciting. Now, can yeah. I just ask that you do not do what Rebecca Black's parents did? What's that? 
Oh, you're obviously not attuned to the very popular Rebecca Black Friday meme. So apparently there's a company called Arc Music Factory that uh, it's a... I didn't know this, but parents will pay a couple of grand to them and make a bat mitzvah, in her case, or in your son's case, bar mitzvah video that's a music video. And I've seen a few of them on the web, but Rebecca Black's became the number one most viewed video on YouTube this month because it's so horrible. So don't do oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's that weekend thing, Yeah, right? Friday, Friday. Yeah, it's, but it's both horrible and eerily catchy. The most hated video on YouTube, but most viewed. Anyway, so it's his bar mitzvah. That's wonderful. Yeah, so when my first one had it a few years ago, I made his slideshow, and I used um, New Lead Video Studio, which right. I think came with the card that I got to convert my 8mm into right. to digitize that. Yeah, New Lead the, is actually a pretty good company. They still make that program, by the way. I know, and that's why I'm calling uh, the thing I liked that I did was I mixed the videos and the stills together. Right. Went back and forth. Um, and so, and I could do that with the video studio. And obviously, I've now uh, gone on to new operating systems, and it's time to upgrade or get something new. Right. And so, well, I was wondering if video studio is, is the best thing and just upgrade that, or should I go some, uh, some other direction at this point? The truth is now it's kind of a standard feature of almost all uh, slideshow or slide programs or photo programs because everybody wants to do this. Mix movies, stills, put a soundtrack behind it, uh, and really it's only a question of how many features you need and what you, where you want to uh, display it. Are you Windows or Mac? Well, I have both. But I'm probably going to do it on a Windows 7 X64 machine. Okay. Uh, Windows Movie Maker will do this. You ha you don't have it because as Microsoft stopped shipping it with Windows. But if you go to get.live.com, you can get it for free. Okay. Uh, of course, iMovie will do it on the Mac. In fact, iMovie does a spectacular job. It's really designed around this. It works with iPhoto. So what happens is you import the photos with I iPhoto, import the movies with iMovie, you export the ones you want to use to iPhoto, and iPhoto has the tools. For instance, there's some tools that you want that Movie Maker, you know, is not going to be as good at. For instance, matching the slide changes to the beat of the music. Right. That, that kind of does, fancy timing. What does that the best? Because actually, that's what... I kind of was off a little bit when I used the 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 um, video uh, studio one. Right. I, I noticed that it wouldn't get it exactly right. It's hard to do uh, unless you have a program that you can nudge the stuff along the timeline and so forth. Um, let me ask the chat room uh, if they've used Windows, the current version, which is much improved. I used to hate Windows Movie Maker, but they've really much improved it. If they've used the current version to do this... Uh, well, if, I could go. I have two Macs, both my sons, so I could I could go the Mac route. Yeah, I've well. done it on the Mac, and it's absolutely uh, easy and uh, effective to do it on uh, iMovie with iPhoto. Uh, but I, I bet you Windows Movie Maker has all of the tools you need. What you really need to do is to be able to accurately nudge each picture along the timeline. So, you know, when you import pictures and video and you drag them in order to a timeline... Uh, that's kind of when that'll be displayed. It's a it's a very standard way of displaying this now uh, in all all video editing programs. And then you add a soundtrack, which is a, a secondary kind of line below the timeline. So now you've got your soundtrack, and you can listen to it, and you can 
find the beat, and then you can, on the timeline, slide the slides around, nudge them around, uh, and it, it works pretty well. Yeah, Video Studio, the one that I had, could do that too, but it just, you'd find that it would just off a yeah, little bit. It wasn't bit. frame I, I was accurate. I probably the only one that figured that out. Yeah. It, uh, I think Windows Movie Maker can do it. I think a better program... By the way, it's a Windows, I'm sorry, I should say Windows Live Movie Maker. That's the distinction between the old Windows uh, Movie Maker. It's got the live in there. That's why you go to get.live.com. Uh, I think um, if, you, if you think you're going to do more editing projects on Windows... Uh, I do, because I also am a coach, so I cut oh, yeah. videos and give them to the team to watch. Nothing more inspiring than getting a great rock anthem and then video and pictures of the team... To pump them up, and but get you got to get it on the beat, bump, 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 and you got to really do it, and it's really great when you do that. That's you know that's one of the things that happens, uh, you know, when when you look at professional stuff, when you look at uh, NFL films, when you that's that's what they're so good at. And of course, they're using professional tools. The the professional tool on Windows is Adobe's Premiere. And a lot of editors swear by Premiere. And uh, the good news is there's a $79 uh, consumer version of it called Premiere Elements that I highly recommend. Okay, because I was wondering, I thought Premiere only did photos originally, but so that'll mix both. Oh, it's a video editing program. Not Premiere, not, you think of Photoshop. Adobe Premiere is their video editor. And Premiere Elements, not Photoshop Elements, Premiere Elements. You can get a bundle with all of it. Does a great job. Right, that's well, the that. that's the pro tool. If you're going to do more editing as a coach, eighty bucks, well worth it, and it will use all the juice on that uh, high end Windows machine you've got there. Okay, one, can I ask one more question? Sure. It's regarding scanning photos because it's funny. There's a distinct line of age when the right. photos come from right. <laughs> when, when when she was four, they're all prints. Exactly. So um, what resolution should I scan the photos in at? Well, the screen display isn't that high resolution. It's maybe 80. But I would scan them at 300 at least. 300 is a, is a decent printing resolution. If you've got drive space to, to spare, 400 to 600. Okay. If you really want, if you're going to scan it, you only want to scan them once, and you want to have them be as good as the original, I'd say 600. That's what I'll do. Great. 600 DPI, dots per inch. That's the measurement we use as we're scanning them in. Hey, if you like home video, you want to know more about home theater, stay tuned. Scott Wilkinson coming up. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Now, Vegas is a great program, but I don't have high hopes for the long-term future of Vegas. Scott Wilkinson, our home hey. theater guy. Could take Easter Sunday off, and I don't yeah. blame you. Time for, time for brunch with the family. And... Uh, so he's going to be on Saturday today. So it's nice to talk to you once again. Scott is the editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com, home theater magazine columnist, hometheatermag.com. And uh, if you watched our coverage of the National Association of Broadcasters show, or if you listen to the show on Sundays, uh, and I'm going to ask, ask you uh, after we get off the air to help me a little bit because I'm going to take some time off next month and the month after. Oh. Maybe, maybe we can get you to fill in again because you did such you a good bet. job. Thank you so much. I'd be very happy to do that. All righty. <laughs> Meanwhile, Scott takes questions too. Scott at TechGuyLabs.com, and I understand you have some listener queries. I do. I get plenty of listener queries, and uh, so I've got a few here. One uh, from someone who only identified themselves by their handle, BMG105, uh, asked, asks about bias lighting. 
and whether that improves the viewing experience. What is it called? Bias lighting. Bias lighting. I've never heard of that. Is that in yes. the TV? Uh, not usually. No. Okay. Uh, what it is is you place a light behind the TV, and this only this is only appropriate for uh, direct view TVs like flat panels. And it used to be for CRT, those big monsters. It's not for front projectors uh, because they don't really produce very much light to begin with, so you don't right. really need it. But LCD um, TVs and plasma TVs produce quite a bit of light, or they can. And if you're watching in a very dark room, um, it often does help to place a light behind the screen and... It's called a bias light. And what it does is your eye is sensitive to a very wide range, very wide dynamic range from black to white. Um, I don't remember the exact number, something like a million to one or more. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the TV does not produce that wide a range, nor is your eye sensitive to that much range all at once. Rather, it's sensitive to a smaller range that shifts up and down within that larger range. <clears throat> this is why... When you uh, walk out of a theater into a bright afternoon, your eyes kind of hurt and you have to squint. It's because your eyes are adapted to a lower dynamic range than what, what you're seeing when you get outside. Similarly, when you, when you walk into a theater from outside, you, uh, you can't see anything for a little while. Everything oh, yeah. looks really dark. Yeah. So this is your eyes shifting up and down to accommodate for the amount of ambient light that's around you at any given moment. And, it's it takes, my, and mom was right, in other words. Mom always said, oh, don't watch TV in the dark. Right. Have a light on. And, of course, you don't want to shine it in front of the TV. You put it right. over behind the TV. Then yep. your eyes yep. adjust to the light, and the yep. TV isn't blinding you. Precisely. That's exactly right. It's biasing that was, your For eyes. CRTs, that made sense. And you're yep. saying, if your TV is as bright as, as the old school TVs, yep. this is a good idea. Exactly. Now, ideally, you want a particular color of light. You don't want to just stick a light bulb back there and be done with it. Do they make 50% uh, gray lights? They do. Uh, not 50% no. gray. Not 50% <laughs> gray. I was joking. No, 30, no. 30 it, it, they make gray? very specific lights. Yeah. Really? A, a company called CinemaQuest makes a light called an Ideal Loom. Uh, ideal, as in ideal, an L-U-M-E. Huh. I believe the company is CinemaQuest. And... Um, uh, it, it produces a color of white, which is the same color of white or of gray that you want your TV to be producing. Technically, it's called D65. This is like a scary term, but all it means is a particular color of white. Um, and you want that light, that color of white, to be 10% as bright as the maximum brightness on your TV screen. Oh, so it is like... A 30%. I was The joke of 30% gray is Scott in his viewing room and anybody who's a professional viewer uh, for rating TVs will have the, the, the walls won't be painted black. Of course, they won't be painted white either. They'll be painted like a 30% gray. Actually, mine, mine is 9% gray. Oh, almost so black. very dark. It's yeah. almost black. I, I did chose not to go extreme total black because I just thought it would be too oppressive. <laughs> yeah. And 9% and gray is totally fine. I mean, when you turn the lights out in there, it's dark. It's black. You can't see the hand in front of your face. Um, and you do that because you don't want light reflecting from the, the picture screen onto the walls and then into your eyes. Right. Which will affect your perception. Right. So um, <clears throat> that's what I do. But then I also have this bias light behind the plasma 
And it's better if you have a very neutral, dark back wall, because obviously this light is going to be shining onto that wall, and you're going to see it. And so if it's got a lot of tchotchkes and a lot of color and stuff on it, then, um, you know, that could be distracting. Right. So you want it to be as simple as possible and as neutral as possible. And putting this bias light behind the TV at 10% of the TV's peak white, at a color of white of D65, very technical geeky stuff. There's CinemaQuest. You have it on the screen I'm put, right pulling there. it up on my uh, laptop here. So... How much is this? I mean, this is obviously for high-end home theaters. Well, I don't think those lights are that expensive. I don't. I honestly don't know how much they cost. They can't be that much. Uh, certainly under a hundred bucks. And and do, now I noticed, for instance, one of the installations they have the TVs hanging on the wall, so you can't put it behind the TV. No, you can't. Now you one the one good thing about Philips. TVs, which probably is a moot point at this at this point, because uh, Philips recently sold the majority of its TV interest to a Chinese company, and I think they're not even bringing TVs into the U.S. anymore. But one of the things that was unique about Philips TVs was they had this thing called Ambilight, mm. which was exactly this. It was lighting that was behind the outer edge of the screen. Now, the primary purpose that they designed it for is ridiculous. It was to change color and change intensity depending upon what was on the screen. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a light show. It was yeah. ridiculous. No, no, I hated it. Yeah. However, they had a mode that let you fix it <clears throat> to a certain intensity and a certain color, and it then became a bias light. And mm. that is a very useful feature. So well, I'm, I'm looking now actually at these lights, and they're very, very uh, small tubes that actually yeah. can just be attached to the back of the TV. So even if the TV is on the wall, these little tubes—they're not—they're not lights. They're just—they well, make, they're fluorescent they, tubes. They make it glow. Yeah, they're they're fluorescent tubes, like like the like office lights, but they're specialized in their color and in their intensity. It's actually kind of pretty. So. This is uh, this. I'm looking at the picture on the website. It's it's not like the room is lit. It's like there's a halo around the exactly, TV. Exactly, like way. there's a halo around yeah. the TV, and the purpose, as I said, is to bias the dynamic range of your eyes to be more comfortable with the dynamic range of the TV mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a dark room. So you don't suddenly blinded by the light. <laughs> blinded by the light. <laughs> or you can buy a plasma TV, and you don't have to worry about it. Well, that plasma TVs don't put out as much they're light. Darker. That's true. They're darker. Yeah. Well, they're not darker. They're, uh, I'd say, dimmer. Dimmer. Maybe. Uh, they don't put out as much light as, as LCDs. LCDs are flamethrowers, or they can be. And I, as I've said many times on the show, you don't want your TV to be a flamethrower anyway. So you might turn, you, I don't know if you turn it down, but you would look certainly not to go away from the vivid or dynamic setting. Exactly. To the you movie. go to the movie or cinema setting. And that usually does seem dimmer. Yeah. Scott Wilkinson, editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com. You can email him, scott, at techguylabs.com. More of your calls coming up right after this. It's Bruce Springsteen. I'm trying to figure out what this has to do with what we were talking about. I'm sure it makes sense in some way, but anyway. <laughs> we got Kyle's doing a great job running the board. Who's on the phones today, Kyle? Gina Yates. Gina Yates. Answering your calls, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number, 888-827-5536. If you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion, if there's something you would like to know, 
I'll just give me a ring and we can talk about it as long as it has to do with technology. I can't answer any other questions. If you want, if you got fishing or gardening questions, this is not the show for you. 8888, well, I'll do my best. 8888, ask Leo. I know a lot of people want to know what I think of this Apple recording your location, tracking your location, saving it to the phone issue. And I will talk about that when we come back after the top of the hour news. Um, my answer might surprise you, but we will talk about that in just a little bit. 8888-ASK-LEO. Let's get back to the phones, though. Lots of people with lots of questions, including Mike, our next caller from Los Angeles. Mike. Hello, How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, I have a question. Uh, I've uh, always used Windows and uh, never had any trouble when I have any application to print something. There's always been a printer called PDF. And now I have Windows 7, and that's no longer there. And I have been Googling my way all over <laughs> the place. Not had any success in finding out how to get that activated. It's such uh, a handy feature. It is not part of Windows. Well, I don't know. It always was there, and I never never did anything to get it in the past. Well, you installed something, and there are a number of programs that will do this. It's really handy. It is on uh, all Macintosh computers. You print, and then you print it out to a PDF. If you have Microsoft Office, uh, they do. do have a... Uh, a plug-in for Microsoft Office that will add that capability. Uh, you, if you search for PDF print driver, there are other programs out there. All it is really is a print driver, it, and, and the computer thinks it's printing, but instead of printing, it's saving it to disk. Uh, so if you have Adobe uh, Acrobat, if you have Cute PDF, if you have PDF Creator, if you have... In other words, there's a lot of ways to get this, but it doesn't come with Windows. Now, here's the interesting thing. It looks like it will come with Windows 8, so you were just ahead of your time. <laughs> I never had anything in the past that was uh, specific, like uh, any Adobe uh, other than Reader. So I don't know where it came from. And now I've been looking around. I can't find any, anything where I'm not having to buy a program to get that to work. Uh, B-U-L-L. Zip.com, Bullzip, has a free PDF print driver that uh, is very straightforward. It's, it's essentially a printer that you install as a printer, except that instead of printing, as I said, it, uh, it prints it out as a PDF. The program's freeware for personal use or commercial use up to 10 people. Uh, there is a commercial version. It doesn't put advertising or anything in there, and it'll do, I think, everything you want. Uh, if you do more with PDFs, if you create PDFs in other ways, I really like um, the Foxit products, F-O-X-I-T. I use Foxit Phantom on uh, Windows. It gives me more capabilities, things like creating PDF forms um, and things like that. But, uh, yeah, for just printing a document to PDF, which I do all the time on the Mac, it's very handy. For instance, you know, I always bugs me. I'll get uh, forms to fill out in Microsoft Doc, you know, Word file format. And it's like, it makes me crazy. I just said, please, why don't you just print it as a PDF and send it that way? Then it's kind of locked. It's, it's going to stay that way. I can use a PDF editing program to modify it. Uh, so I, I think that this is absolutely the way to do it. Um, and then if you want to spend some money, Dan, in our chat room, our chat mod, uh, says if you don't do batch printing, if you're going to do a lot at work, PDF Creator is better than buying the Bullzip uh, Pro version. PDF Creator from 
Oh, wait a minute. That's open source. You don't have to buy it. Take it back. It's uh, uh, pdforge dot org. Pdforge.org. Pdforge, and it is an open source program. And uh, so, PDF Creator—that's a good choice too. That's free. Okay. So PDF. I don't have experience with either one of them, uh, but because uh, I do have uh, Fox at Phantom on my PC, so that's what I—if I want to print a PDF on the PC—that's what I use. And that first one was bullzip.com. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I would try, I have to say, uh, this would be my first choice, PDF Creator, since it is free and it has a lot of capabilities. And that, and the site is PDF Creator? PDFforge.org. PDFforge.org, yep. okay, great. All right, well, thank you very much. My pleasure, glad I could uh, help. And it is a little bit of a mystery how that was there all the time, but it isn't part, it's not part of Windows. <laughs> it, <laughs> but ironically, will be. It should have been. Uh, I think they just, you know, I don't know why they didn't. They And Microsoft does offer a free plug-in for Office that adds that feature. I don't know if you add it to Office. Does it add it to all um, printing or just when you print from Office? I'm not sure. But PDF Forge looks pretty good. I'm, I'm going to try that, PDF Creator. Let me lean in close and see who's been waiting the longest. Joe from Van Nuys. Thank you for your patience. Joe Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hello. I have an Acer netbook, uh, which I'm uh, fixing to give away. I would like to know what would be the best way to uh, wipe the drive of all my information and uh, uh, do a recovery on it. Do you have a CD-ROM? Is it like a netbook or is it a full-size laptop? It is a netbook. Okay, has... so you don't have a CD uh, player in it? Uh, no, no, no drive. Uh, I think you could put the the program I recommend for this. Is it a solid state drive in that, or is it a spinning mechanical drive? It is a mechanical drive. Okay, that's good. Thank goodness. Solid state drives wiping them is a different matter entirely, and it may not be even doable on some drives. And I'll talk about that when we come back. But for a spinning drive, it's easy. Just Google D B A N Derek's Book and Newt. I mean Nuke, <laughs> Boot and Nuke. Yes, that's right. Sounds wrong. But what it is is it'll it'll copy itself onto your USB key. You'll boot. You have to boot to the USB key to do this properly because you can't do it while Windows is running. It won't erase its own files. So you download DBAN. It's free. Okay. You put it on the USB key. You boot up to the USB key. It wipes the drive. And now, if you wish, you can reinstall from the original disks that came with the computer. And there is no way in the world that person can recover any of your data. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And it's time to talk computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and all the like at 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my phone number, 888-827-5536. Our website, in fact, the phone number's on the website, so I should just tell you the website because it's got links to everything you need, is techguylabs.com. Techguylabs.com, all one word. If you go there, you will see our chat room. Always fun to go in there. Lots of people uh, talking on the chat room. Uh, 771 people right now. They're kind of my externalized brains. If I can't think of something or remember something, they'll, they'll chime in in real time, which is wonderful. Yay, chat room. You'll also find a link at uh, techguylabs.com to our live video stream so you can see what's going on 
every once in a while, people like Scott will say, yes, you're showing it on the screen. It's like, yeah, but this is a radio show, so <laughs> I'm going to have to describe it. I love radio. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Having to have pictures always is kind of a pain. But some people do want video, so uh, for that, that purpose, we have a little video stream. You can actually click it and watch it in the upper left-hand corner of the Tech Guy Labs site. Uh, there's also a link to audio archives for every show. The show notes for every show. This is uh, Saturday, April 23rd, episode 763. So as I speak, James DeRuvo writes these down and uh, makes sure that uh, everything, every link I mention is there available for you. You'll also find a link to iTunes where you can download shows, subscribe to the podcast. There's all sorts of features. So I highly recommend uh, if you want to know more about something I mentioned, you visit techguylabs.com. Now, a lot of people asking me today about the news that came out this week that uh, iPhones were not only tracking every move you make, but recording it to a file on the iPhone. Furthermore, that file is automatically backed up when you sync with iTunes on Windows or Mac. And even worse, when you get a new iPhone, it's copied from the backup back to the iPhone where the recording continues. So if you've had three iPhones, you might be able to look at that file and see everywhere you've been since 2007. <laughs> Somebody has made a uh, a little program that a little Java program that downloads that file automatically from your iPhone. You just plug in your iPhone, it gets the file, makes it, puts it on Google Maps, and you can see everywhere you've been. Isn't that special? And there are a couple of concerns about that. One, why? Two, what does Apple do with it? Three, what if a bad guy got your phone? What would he or she do with it? None of which concerns me in the least. By the way, if you have a Google phone, when you first turned on the Google phone, first activated it, you may not remember, but there was a little screen that says, would you like us to, from time to time, Google will send anonymous tracking information back to Google. Would you like to disable this feature? And there's a checkbox, so you can't opt out of it. But, but even if you're not asked, here's the thing to know and assume. You're carrying in your pocket the ultimate spy device. If I were Jason Bourne and I wanted to find out exactly what the, your, you know, Mr. Who is the enemy anymore? I don't know. The Mr. Afghani Taliban rebel was up to. I'd give him a cell phone because what? It tracks his GPS all the time, right? It's got a camera, two cameras, one in the front, one in the back. So, and I can turn it on automatically without him knowing. It's got a microphone I could turn on. It's the ultimate bugging device. I know where you are. I know what you're doing. I know I can see it. I can hear it. And we even know, at least on the iPhone, that there are numerous applications that have the ability to turn on the microphone and listen. I was actually shocked when I found out about this. There's no permission on, on, the, on the Android phone there. Every time you install an application on any Android phone, you get a long list of things the application would like permission to do. Now, nobody reads it. But if you do read it, you'll see it. And sometimes they say, well, you know, turns on the camera or accesses information, can access. Are you shocked that these phones are being used this way? This is practically what they were designed to do. And remember, if you've ever seen a Bourne movie... What's the first thing that happens when the beautiful woman 
gets in the car. You know, she's being chased. She has no idea what's going on. She has no idea who Jason Bourne is. What's the first thing he does? She starts to call uh, her mom. I don't know. What's the first thing he does? He grabs the phone and throws it out the window and says, you can't use these anymore. Everybody knows this is the perfect tracking device. For years, law enforcement has been using this in criminal investigations. I've told you this before. They, every uh, cell phone carrier has a portal for law enforcement where they go, they pay a couple of bucks, and they can ask uh, about any subscriber. Where is he right now? Where was he last week? Where was he last year? It's not even protected information because the law doesn't deem it true content. Your location's just kind of your location. I guess because if I look out the window and I see you, I know what your location is. So I guess they deem that, well, it's public information. There's a very low standard. They're called pen registers for getting these pen registers. It's easy. Tie that into a news story that said that the Michigan police, Michigan State Police, have a device called a Cellbrite, which is sold to law enforcement agencies all over the country, that they can plug into any cell phone press a button and within 90 seconds the entire contents of the cell phone have been slurped into the cell bright for forensics for investigation you're carrying with you <laughs> a device that is the ultimate spy machine that law enforcement routinely routinely monitors it's all on here so it shouldn't be too much of a surprise if you think about it that this kind of stuff has been going on. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. And the Wall Street Journal, uh, all aghast. They've been really getting making a lot of hay lately on privacy. Uh, and, I, and I commend them. I mean, it's good for them to, to tell people about this. But come on. You didn't think that this stuff was going on? I, and to, be, to be honest, I don't think Apple has any real interest in your location they have 17 million iPhone owners. You think they're downloading these files from 17 million people and doing what? What do they care? Much more likely uh, what's happening is that information, as Google does, is being anonymized and sold to advertisers so that when you walk by a Domino's pizza, they can, <laughs> they can pop up a coupon that says, hey, wouldn't you like a sausage and pepperoni right about now? They don't do that yet, but there's, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing they want to do with this. There's no, there's, you know, they're not spying on you. However, law enforcement is and can. The government can. I don't know what you should worry about more, but uh, if you really don't want this information stored about you, you probably shouldn't be carrying a smartphone. Well, wait a minute. You shouldn't carry a phone with any GPS. Oh, wait a minute. They don't even need GPS because guess what? They know where you are because of which cell tower you're using. They don't know exactly where you are, but they've known how you are for years. This is nothing new. This is stuff that's been going on all along. If you don't want them to know where you are, look, my advice to you, if you're about to commit a crime, leave the cell phone behind. And if you don't uh, want your husband to know where you're going on a Friday night, leave the cell phone behind. <laughs> it's all in there, folks. 
That's why, if you ever watched The Wire or any of these shows about drug dealers, what do they use? Burner phones that are not attached to them in any way. They go to the drugstore, they buy a phone that has no personally identified information, and they throw it out every three days. I, I think Apple recorded this information, frankly, by accident. I don't think they have much use for it. And I think if you're really worried about it, you should think in a more global perspective. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Did they ever show that on cops? Did they ever show the police officer saying, may I have your cell phone, ma'am? And plugging into a cell bright and sucking all the data out of it. Did they ever show that? I don't think so. That's probably when they turn the cameras off. So uh, thank you to the person in the chat room. I should have made a note of your name. I didn't. Who sent me a PDF uh, file. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, from uh, that was uh, sent by Apple to Representative uh, Markey of pa Massachusetts, been a, a very strong privacy advocate, uh, or, or a Senator Markey. Is he Senator or Representative? Can't remember. Uh, but uh, Markey asked Apple about this in July 2010. July 2010. And Apple's response was kind of pretty clear. He, the Apple said, uh, yeah, we collect this information. Ed Markey, what, let me see, uh, Ed Markey, uh, congressman from uh, Massachusetts, who is one of the few actually fairly technically literate guys, hand-delivered to him July 12, 2010, Apple's response to request for information regarding its privacy policy and location-based services. This is, this is, you know, almost a year old. And here is the key that is in the Apple Terms of Service that you agreed to when you started using your iPhone. By using any location-based services on your iPhone, you agree and consent to Apple and its partners and licensees, means anybody, transmission, collection, maintenance, processing, and use of your location data. You agreed to it. Apple further says you can withdraw this consent at any time by not using the location-based features or by turning off the location services setting on your iPhone. That's your, that's your option. Either use it, and we'll record it and save it and send it, or don't, and we won't know, but you won't be able to use the GPS or anything like that. So this has been known for a long time. Now, what we didn't know about is where this file was, and there is some concern because this file does you know, make it maybe possible for somebody to hack your phone or get this information out of your phone without your knowledge or perhaps for law enforcement to get it but we've known about this for a long time this is nothing new all cell phones do this what i like about you know, now apple isn't hiding it but they're not exactly publicizing it what i like about google is google actually publicizes it they tell you if you have, have any question about what google knows about you uh, go to google.com slash dashboard if you have a google account and log in not only will you see your uh, web search history Mine goes back four or five years. And again, you can disable this. It's actually a good idea to look at the dashboard to see what they're keeping track of. But uh, I can look at my Google Latitude, which is a Google service that I did opt into. It's a location check-in service. And I can go back in time and look at all. This is essentially the same map that, I get, that they get out of the iPhone. I can look at everywhere I've been with my Google phone. All the spots. All my travels. The difference is Google not only doesn't hide this, they actually give you access to it, let you manage it, let you use it. So some of the neat things about the Latitude dashboard, 
maybe maybe you don't want to share this, but how do I spend my time? How much time you spend at work, at home, out on the town? Where do I go? For instance, I know that I last week spent 20 hours at work. On the average, I only spend 17 hours at work. I don't work very hard, do I? <laughs> this is valuable stuff. Google lets you see it. Your airplane trips, landing, takeoff, landing, takeoff. All of this is automatically collected because I opted into Google's location services. And the nice thing is Google says, yeah, yeah, we have all this information. Here's what we know. Here's how you can manage it or delete it. It's kind of cool, I think. All the places I've been. I like it. And since, you know, to be honest, government, law enforcement, and others can get this anyway... Either if you really hate it, turn off the location services, don't use a phone with location services, or better yet, just don't use a cell phone. And then they'll just have to follow you around in a car. Uh, Mike, our next caller from Kentucky. Good day, Mike Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, hello, Leo. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, I've got a question that I know you've answered in the past many times, so I hate to be redundant. But what I've got, it's got an iMac, and I just restored everything on it. And when you mentioned before there's a good software program that you recommended that what I'm going to do is buy an exact duplicate of the hard drive, uh, of, of making an external drive. Right. And I just like to copy everything, everything, absolutely everything, including the boot up, everything. Yep. It's called Super. There are actually a number of ways to do this. I like Super Duper. S-U-P-E-R-D-U-P-E-R, -E -E because it's free. Yeah, uh, there's a pro version that gives you, you know, scheduling and other things. I use SuperDuper all the time as uh, both imaging and backup. Okay. And uh, what is nice about it, well, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, one of my coworkers uh, was interested in buying a MacBook Air, uh -huh. and uh, she said, can I borrow your Air? And I said, no problem. I use SuperDuper to make an exact image of the hard drive, stored that on an, an external drive, uh, okay. then wiped the air, put the original setup on it so she'd have the experience as if she brought it home from the store. She can use it. And then when I get the air back, I'll just restore it. I'm going to actually put a new... The reason I was willing to do this, I'm putting a new uh, larger uh, solid-state drive in the air, and so I, I was going to have to do it anyway. Put the new drive in, restore the image. It's exactly the same as it was. And even though the drive's bigger, it, you know, it, it works perfectly. It's a really good program. That's what I'm looking at. Cause you mentioned a, a year or two ago that uh, I think you may have an iMac there that you actually run off an external drive. I do. We had a hard drive. I'm to my left right now is an iMac uh -huh. that we had an, a, an internal hard drive failure on. And now with the iMacs, one of the negatives of the iMacs is uh, yeah. no no user serviceable parts inside. You have to bring it back to the Apple Store. Um, yeah. So fortunately, I had been using Super Duper. Mm -hmm. The hard drive died. The iMac stopped working. I rebooted holding down the option key. That's the trigger to the Apple operating system to not boot from the internal drive, but to look around and see what else it can boot from. It saw the external drive because I'd been using Super Duper. That drive was not only up to date, it was bootable. It said, yeah. do you want me to boot from this external drive? I said, yes, within seconds. I'm exactly where I was before that hard drive failure. That's exactly what I want. And actually, I ran it that way for a while because on FireWire 800, it's almost as fast as the internal drive, so it worked pretty well. I would be using, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just I've re I've restored things once or twice, and it's just it's it's not hard. It's just a long, painful process. Yeah, yeah, I like doing this, and on Windows, folks, and we've recommended a number of programs like Drive Snapshot, 
um, uh, uh, Ease US has a free program. There's a lot of good uh, systems like this. So um, th this is a great idea. It's called it's imaging or ghosting the drive. It makes an exact bootable, that's key, duplicate of the drive so that when the worst happens, you've got this external drive here. You say, boot up to that. And all modern computers will do that. And I think that's great. One little, one little caveat here is I have also Windows in it. Now, you use Parallels. Will I copy the entire hard drive with Windows and Parallels? Absolutely. Okay. The nice thing about Parallels is it's just a file on that drive. It looks just like any other Mac file. It copies that along with everything else. So when you reboot that computer, that's great. you're just going to be exactly like it was. In fact, uh, I have Boot Camp on there. Same thing. Well, let me ask you that. Would you? Why don't put Parallels on? I've had it for a couple of years. I debated whether to put it on as a boot camp or just go ahead and just put it in. Um, I, okay, so here's the difference. Boot camp turns it into a, a, a Windows machine. You reboot the machine, boot into Windows, and it's fully Windows. I like having both capabilities, but it's only if you need the speed of a native Windows run. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. The last... Waning minutes of the Tech Guy Show for this Saturday afternoon. But lo and behold, our sadness is tempered by the joy that is Dick DiBartolo, Mad Magazine's maddest writer and the Gizwiz. Hello, Dickie D. Leo, how you doing? Very well. Happy Saturday. Happy Easter weekend. Yeah, I was just coloring eggs. Oh, wow. I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. I know. You know what? I, I, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. Really? I, yeah. Uh, you know, I should not have scrambled them first. Oh, yeah. I find it's much easier to color fried eggs. Yeah. You have, yeah. You know, I'll do that. Oh, <laughs> you see, you, you, you solve everything. I'll just fry these up. Fry them. <laughs> you know, my kids are teenagers now, and it's been so long since I did Easter egg hunts or colored eggs or even that the easter bunny visited our home oh i miss those days oh. now basically henry just comes downstairs and says where's the chocolate <laughs> i see okay yeah. there is supposed to be chocolate yeah, henry you have to go in the yard and hunt for it give me yeah, chocolate now i want chocolate so uh, Dick is a gadget hound for many years running. Uh, of course, you you probably know him from Mad Magazine. He's part of that usual cast of idiots uh, that has been, and I say that with love. That has yes, been, <laughs> yes. You do, you do, right? I say that with love. Um, and uh, you could see him uh, on the Twitter. He what is your uh, what is your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, the Gizwiz. The Gizwiz. T h e g i z w i z. You also see him on uh, on YouTube as Mad Maddest. YouTube.com slash Mad Mattis. Yes. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, you know, you're not the only Mad Magazine person on YouTube. I know Alfred E. Newman, ha or on Twitter, rather. Alfred E. Newman has a Twitter channel. Alfred E. Newman, is, he's on Twitter, too. Yeah, he's gearing up for the uh, presidential uh, campaign. He's running again. He's running again. I told you, I'm working on his platform. I've been sanding it and <laughs> nailing it. and everything. It's going to be sturdy. It's going to be a lovely platform. It's going to be a great platform. So, uh, as as always, Dick likes to join us. Uh, but we, we, we do a podcast together. It's a weekly. It's called the Weekly Daily Gizwiz, yeah. and uh, and uh, we do that show uh, on Saturday afternoons, right after the radio show. So we get Dick in a little bit early. He's got his, you know, he's got his arms laden with gadgets for the Weekly Daily Gizwiz. But we would like him to pick one and just, you know, kind of show the radio audience, as it were. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about a very cheap gadget that I have used many times now. And it's called the telescoping magnetic pickup. Oh, yeah. You know about these, right? Sure. You know, magnetic, okay. But, Leo, this adds an important addition of an LED light at the very center of the magnet. So that when you, you know, last week we were talking about how to repair a watch. Well, I have discovered the smaller the screw, <laughs> the further it goes Yes, when you drop it. Yes, that's the Gizwiz's third law of motion yes, without exactly, containment. Exactly. Yes. The second law is if you want to use a flashlight, the batteries will be dead. Right. Uh, but anyway... So you would have to have the magnetic, you would extend the magnetic thing so you could stick it under furniture and behind desk. And then in the other hand, you had to hold a flashlight. But now the flashlight is dead center of the magnet. It's on Amazon. And the great thing, it's under seven bucks. Wow. Leo, I sit here, I throw paper clips behind desks just so I can go in and demonstrate my LED magnetic pickup um, falls down to just seven and a half inches and extends to 32 inches. And I, I bought another one for down the boat because uh, you don't have this problem with your car. But on a boat, if you drop a bolt and it goes over the under the engine block, you can get under your car and oh, yeah. find it. Oh, I yeah. cannot get under my engine block. So, so of course, to, this wouldn't work for things that are not magnetic. No, no, it has to be magnetic. It's a magnet. Pretty good. I picked up a big wrench. The company says it can lift up to six pounds. What's the company? Uh, the company is just magnetic. There, Leo, everybody sells it under their own name, and no one's given it a brand name. Nobody they really makes In other words, nobody makes this. You know, yes, it's exact. But so get the cheapest does, one you can find. That's exactly right. It's probably going to be the same. I paid, I think, six ninety seven. <laughs> um, and you want to make, you make sure that you get the lighted LED one because there's a lot on there. That oh, yeah, see, uh, here's the one I have is $6.44, but it doesn't have an LED light on it. Yeah. No, 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 that would, no. Once again, not listening closely. Yes, you've made that mistake. I have. Right? I have. How about magnetic LED flashlight home telescoping, telescoping pickup tool? That's it. Is it like six ninety something? This one's six dollars thirty four cents. That's the one. Such um, a deal. One. There you go. You save fifty cents. You are caught. You're I a am a shopper extraordinaire. <laughs> Dick uh, has a website gizwiz.biz. G i z w i z dot b i z. It's a great site because, of course, he's got lots of weird gadgets like this. But it's also an opportunity to play the what the heck is it contest and win an autographed copy of Mad Magazine. From our very own Dickie D. Who autographs that? Uh, do you want to? No, Dickie D. What <laughs> oh, you do. Mad's oh, oh. So go to gizwiz.biz and right there on the there's a big button on the right that says, what the heck is it? And then I don't know what that is. But pretty. Yeah. No, wait a minute. That's the old one. That's the old one. Yeah, me, that's the old one. So, so scroll down. And you you're going to win a copy of the Mark Zuckerberg cover? That's another exactly. old one. Where's exactly. the new one? No, 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 that is the new one, Leo. The old one was the uh, magnetic, uh, was the, oh, the picker-upper. Uh, picker so this one, this, uh, this flying saucer-like device. Type now, thing. here's the deal. Don't bother trying to get it right. He's only got 12 magazines for the t right answer. He's got 24 for the best cute, silly answer.
Yeah. Always better yeah. to have the cute, silly. We answer. like cute, silly. There you go. Well, you are cute and silly. <laughs> How are you today? Happy Easter. I hope the bunny was good to you. I have uh, jelly beans. Lots. My wife. She's trying to fatten me up. Lots of jelly beans. Oh, and look at this. This is a Portuguese Easter bread. Every, I think it's great, uh, these traditions. I know I, there's uh, uh, hot cross buns in England are an Easter bread. Panettone in Italy. This is kind of like a panettone with hard-boiled eggs in it. How cool. It's, uh, is it Massa Sovata, or is that the name of the bakery? That's the name of the bread. Thank you so much. Luis and Luisa brought that by. Hello, everybody. I'm sure there are lots of things you'd like to talk about today. We could talk, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Blackberry Playbook. <sighs> I had such high hopes for the Playbook. I mean, what a, what a you know, I mean, on, on the hardware side, what an impressive uh, tablet. It's a 7-inch tablet. I like 7-inch tablets. I know the iPad is twice as big. It's 10 inches. You may say twice as big, 10 inches, but it is in terms of uh, square inches, you know, real estate. As Steve Jobs was quick to point out, Six months ago in an Apple earning call when he said, I hate seven-inch tablets. We'll never make a seven-inch. What is a seven-inch? Nobody wants a seven-inch. Of course, all, everybody else is making seven-inch tablets. We Everybody wants now. Well, maybe Apple will make a seven-inch. Because you know what? It's just a, it's a little bit smaller, sure, but you could put it in your briefcase, your purse. Uh, if you have a big uh, Captain Kangaroo-style pocket, you can slide it in there. And uh, But it's big enough to play Angry Birds, and I think really that's all that matters, isn't it, after all? No Angry Birds on the playbook, though. See? No email either, or calendar, unless you have a BlackBerry phone and you do the bridge. So that's a little weird. It's an impressive uh, uh, feat. Uh, nice hardware, very fast. Dual-core uh, TI, Texas Instruments processor. Um, the, the operating system is an interesting choice because, of course, you know, BlackBerry doesn't really have a touch operating system anymore. Microsoft has a true touch operating system in the sense that it was designed from the ground up. And so that kind of puts Microsoft at a disadvantage, BlackBerry at a disadvantage, anybody who doesn't want to use Android at a disadvantage. And the Android tablets aren't really ready yet. In fact, Google, which does the Android operating system, even kind of admitted that. They said, yeah, we rushed Honeycomb. That's their tablet version. We rushed it out. It's not very good. <laughs> that's, a, that's nice for those of you who bought a Zoom. That must make you feel good. Oh, yeah, it's not very good. We didn't. <laughs> It looks like BlackBerry rushed this playbook out, too. It's interesting how much pressure Apple puts on companies, don't they? By releasing a product that is so good, the iPad and now the iPad 2. I mean, I, I don't know why uh, these companies feel like they can't tread water, but I guess they can in the tech industry. You've got always, like you're a shark, right? You always have to be moving ahead or you will sink. So they felt, I think, the need the, to rush a, um, a, a tablet out in order to compete, because BlackBerry's losing their lunch to the iPhone in the phone space and to Android in the phone space. They're, they're starting to look like a distant third and fading fast. Is that my coffee? Oh, now, now I can do a show. <laughs> oh, I feel much better now. Uh, so this playbook feels a little rushed. It's it, this QNX operating system. BlackBerry did a smart thing. They uh, Instead of writing their own thing, they, they went out and they got a very stable, uh, long-running operating system called QNX, which is kind of a, uh, it's called what they call an RTOS, a real-time operating system, which means it's, a, it's, a, it's designed to be very responsive. And, of course, that's what you need with a touch uh, tablet, don't you? 
And then they added touch to it, and I think they did a very, very good job of it. It multitasks beautifully. It, it feels good. It's, it's uh, responsive, but there's no apps. And, uh, and, and to be honest, I think it's going to be difficult to convince the developers of apps to write apps for the BlackBerry Playbook. They have to, this is a very difficult catch-22. They have to write a, they have to sell a lot of units before the developers will develop for it. And the developers won't develop for it unless they sell a lot of units. Kind of difficult. So I think BlackBerry, that's kind of what, uh, what they're trying to do. They push this out. It's very nice. Impressing the developers with their hardware and hoping, praying. You'll see a lot of uh, numbers from RIM, the company that makes this. It's confusing, I know. BlackBerry's the brand. RIM is the company, Research in Motion. They're a Canadian company. You'll see a lot of, I think, you'll see a lot of disinformation about how many units they're selling. They already kind of said, oh, we sold 45,000 units right out of the box. April 19th is when they went on sale five days ago. 45,000 units in five days, that would be pretty impressive, wouldn't it? Except, I don't think they did. I think they're doing uh, something that a lot of companies do. They're, they're quoting what they call numbers in the channel. Yeah, they sold 45,000 to stores. It's the sell through that's interesting. Samsung's kind of did the same thing with uh, the Galaxy Tab sales. Hey, speaking of, so we'll see. Uh, bottom line, don't run out and buy it. Even if you're a BlackBerry fan, I, I wouldn't run out and buy it. Interesting, speaking of uh, Samsung, did you see Apple suing Samsung? Saying, and they said it in this voice, you copy us. They said it just like that. You copy us. It's an exact copy. They say that this... <laughs> The Samsung Galaxy S phones are a copy of the iPhone in the same way that a counterfeit Louis Vuitton bag is a copy of the real thing. They call it trade dress. It happens a lot in the auto industry, apparently, where, where a car will come out that looks like another car and the first car company will sue the other saying, you copied our trade dress. There are patent and trademark uh, claims as well, but the trade dress mark, uh, thing is the big one. That's the one where they say, in effect, they're saying Samsung, with its Android phones, attempted to deceive us, you and me, into, into thinking it was an iPhone. And I've had great debates with our geeky friends. Or my geeky friend, I do a lot of podcasts with hardcore geeks, and the hardcore geeks... Say, oh, well, of course, we know the difference, but the unwashed masses think that a Samsung Galaxy S is exactly like an iPhone, and they were fooled. I don't think so. You tell me. 8888-ASK-LEO, you call me. Were you fooled? Did you run out and buy a Samsung Galaxy S? Apple said the icons look the same. The box? They said the box looks the same. They stole our box design. Yes, the cardboard box the phone comes in. They stole our box design. Huh? I mean, really, there's not that many ways you can make a box for a device that's roughly the same size. They said, look look at them. They look so much alike. Well, a smartphone, I mean, Apple admittedly set the standard with the iPhone in 2007. Big kind of black glass touch display with a button at the bottom and a speaker at the top. Yeah, well, I don't know. Is that copying? Can, the, the, what the court will have to decide is, did they intend to fool anybody? Did you go into a Verizon store and buy a Samsung or an AT&T store or a Sprint store or a T-Mobile store and buy a Samsung because you thought you were getting an iPhone? Come on. Really? No. 
you might have said to yourself, well, the iPhone's only on AT&T and I want to stay on uh, a different carrier, so I'll buy something kind of like it. Hmm. They really complained about the uh, Samsung TouchWiz interface. And it's true, the icons are very similar. But even then, I mean, a contact manager, Apple's icon looks like an address book. Samsung's icon looks like an address book. Well, duh. Apple's icon for the telephone has a handset on it, telephone handset on it. So does Samsung's. They're both green. Well, come on. Really? We'll see what happens. It, you know, you, I, you can't predict what the courts are going to do or, or if it goes to trial, what the courts are going to do. It won't go to trial probably. You know, Samsung is Apple's number one supplier. It supplies the processor in the iPad. Oh, what a mess. 8888-ASK-LEO. There's lots to talk about. Would you give me a ring and we'll talk? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Is this our Easter music, Kyle? A little tie-in of rabbits. <laughs> it did mention a rabbit. It did mention a rabbit. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. The phone number is 8888-ASK-LEO. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, 888-827-5536. You know, the, I, sh I always give the phone number out, and really all you need to do is go to techguylabs.com. Techguylabs.com. Luis Frad in the chat room says it's a folar. Is that right? Yeah. What does that mean? A really big piece of bread? <laughs> uh, and Trinity, by the way, Kyle, Trinity is suggesting in our chat room that there is, an, see if you can find this, there is an Elmer Fudd song called Kill That Wabbit. I'll get it. <laughs> Luis says, I'm on it, boss. I got it. I'll get that for you. 8888-ASK-LEO. Easter Sunday. I uh, wish you a happy Easter. We celebrated the Passover as well on uh, Monday. In fact, uh, Alex, who uh, works in my uh, studio, he's one of our interns, brought me a, an incredible matzo ball soup yesterday that his grandmother, who is in her late 80s, made, and it was incredible. Just incredible. 888-827-5536. Our first call of the day is from Stan in Woodland Hills, California. Hey, Stan, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good morning. Good morning. Leo, we have <laughs> antenna TV in the past, and the problems with the reception in certain areas, especially I'm, I'm in Woodland Hills, and I have a hill east of me. I don't have line of sight to Mount Wilson, and I've been expecting that translated towers would be installed up in the Chatsworth area, but nothing's happened yet. And You know what? You know what, Stan? Yes. Get cable, because it ain't going to happen. No way. I'm a diehard. Stan die is a diehard. You're the guy, when they, when they build a city around you, you're not going to sell that house, and they have to build the skyscraper around the house. You're not giving up. So Stan's in what we've talked about this before, the, what they call the cliff. He's suffering from the cliff effect. When we went from analog to digital television... Uh, people like you, Stan, who are on the fringes and were able to get analog TV, it might not have been perfect picture, you might have had ghosting or snow, we're still able to get TV, but digital, you know, it either works fully or it doesn't work at all. And so you're on that small fringe, but Stan, I got to wonder, I mean, how many people are in that area? Well, we uh, in our area here, we have about maybe 80 or 100,000. 
Oh, well, that's a lot. That's Money. a lot. So there is incentive for the, the local TV stations to do something about it. Whatever happened, oh, yes. I know Congress was talking about getting some additional funding to help people like you out. Did that ever happen? No, it didn't, because last year it never got out of committee. The, yeah, uh, the you know, you're hitting us at, uh, you're hitting, uh, you know, the Congress has got to cut budget everywhere, and that's probably not a high priority. Not a lot of voters in the cliff effect areas. Well, we have, we only have 1.7 million people in the San Fernando Valley. That seems it like a lot the, of people. They should do something about it. Agreed. But they say only 14% are on antenna. That's the, pro oh, there's the problem. You're, <laughs> it's the, it's, right. you, it's you holdouts who are trying to get antenna television when everybody else got cable. Well, you see, it's not only the San Fernando Valley, Simi Valley, uh, Santa Clarita area, uh, and uh, Canal Valley are over the hill. So by putting the translator towers in, they'd be able to service people in that area who were getting good uh, analog TV. Before. Stan, I, I don't know what to tell you. You, you know, every you come. It's good that you come on, and I'm sure people are listening, and every and all the local stations in your area are. Uh, I'm sure big tech guy fans is probably a chief. In fact, if you're a chief engineer at one of the TV stations serving the San Fernando Valley. Call me, 8888-ASK-LEO. What can we do to help Stan? I mean, if I were Stan, I'd have a dish by now or, or a cable by now. In fact, I can get over the... Well, no, wait a minute. Now, now let me think about that. We live in a small town about an hour north of San Francisco uh, called Petaluma, California. And Petaluma is too far from San Francisco. We never got the big San Francisco stations. We're just too far. We have a couple of local stations. So I would guess that... Uh, Unless you're a complete uh, cheapskate or you don't care about television, you've got cable or dish here. You know, you've got satellite or cable. You don't, you're, nobody here is getting only antenna TV. So there's a lot of people standing in the world who don't get over the air television. Uh, you are in an area that used to get it, but the conversion to di digital ruined that for you. Well, welcome to the rest of the world. You're part, <laughs> you're part of the rest of the world now. Let's go to Santa Rosa, California. Peter, you're very nearby. We don't get uh, we don't get over the air. We get a few. We get Channel Fifty. We get KRCB. We don't get a lot of over the air uh, stations. No, I don't think so. No, so you get cable when you're up here. I'm on my I'm on my antenna, so I pick up something, but uh, it's not as good as. A good signal. Yeah, and good guess morning. what? Guess what? The internet goes to everybody's house. Pretty soon, you're not going to have to watch TV at all. You just watch the internet. So what no, can I do for you, Peter? Um, I've, I put all my music on flash drives, one for this category, one for that category, et cetera, et cetera. And when I did it, when I set up the menu of the play menu inside or playlist inside the flash drive, I, of course, set it up alphabetically. Then I found out the radio doesn't care. Right. It plays in the order right. that it to, I've turned off random, I've turned off repeat, so it will not, you know, especially random. No, no, it's it's not using, it's not paying attention to what, My when you it. say alphabetical order, you're saying by file name. It doesn't care about the file name. That, that, well, I'm learning all this. I yeah. All this. So it and, uses, it uses the MP3 tags, and it, pro does it sort in any order at all? Does it sort by artist order or album order or song order? Or is it just completely random? Uh, 
if I have a B title, then a C, et cetera, it's not going to play it in that order. It will play the last album. It's, it's just, it's really confusing. So what it's doing is, and this is uh, the soft. I don't know what software you're using, but this software is particularly dumb. What is it? Well, I'm using Windows XP. You're using Windows Media Player. So what this software is doing is it's just playing it in the order that they are stored on the disc. No. <laughs> so. No. No? Because, because I set it up in alphabetical order. Yes, according no, to. No, you see it in alphabetical order because the, see, the difference is Windows Explorer sorts it. So you see it in alphabetical order because the browser you're looking at the disk with is sorting it. But it's not stored on the disk that way. It's in the catalog, the disk's catalog in whatever order you copied it. So when the first song and the second song and the third song, it doesn't care about the order. And apparently that's how the player is playing it back, which is pretty stupid. Yeah, because when I get in the truck, and, and so I finally I just sat down and I wrote down, you know, I, I marked everything in the order that the, that the radio was playing it, playing the flash drive. And I figured, okay, that's fine. Then I realized if I add another CD to that flash drive, it's going to change the whole order. And that's what I'm concerned about. And how well, what I, I would suggest, Peter, is you get a better player that is intelligent enough to play it alphabetically. In other words, this player is just its being stupid. It's just saying, well, it's in this order. Uh, I like, uh, there's a lot of good players for Windows. I really like Media Monkey. That's a great player. If you're going to do it through Windows, let me get, when we come back, I'll give you three or four good choices, better choices. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I did say, I, 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 you know, I, and it is inappropriate, but I did say uh, I was going to mention a couple of Windows media players, so I will. I love Media Monkey. It's one of my favorites on Windows. Much better. <laughs> Much, much better than Windows Media Player, especially on XP. Um, I also like Winamp, believe it or not. It's pretty good. Uh, it's, a good it's a good player. Um, we should, we'll, we'll get a few other uh, recommendations. Um, Songbird, uh, which is a Linux uh, application, um, is, has been ported. It's open source. It's been ported to Windows and Mac. Um, chat room, any other recommendations? We've got a great chat room. Double Twist. Actually, I use Double Twist a lot now. If you have an Android phone, Double Twist is great because it will do all the things iTunes does for the iPhone for your Android phone. So that's a nice. That's so that's nice. I got that going for me. Uh, but it's also a pretty good uh, Windows player and has some other nice features. Um, Songbird is not on Linux anymore. It's just Mac and Windows. Well, there you go. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. What tell you what? We'll put links to these in the in the. Uh, uh, both from the chat room and uh, from listeners on to our website, techguylabs.com. James DeRuvo is there. I'm not sure if he's uh, going to, if he's doing it. James, are you doing it today or are you going to do I know he had to take, uh, I think he was went to an Easter dinner today, Easter brunch. So he'll be, uh, he'll be writing them in uh, tonight. But if you check back tonight or tomorrow, all the details will be there. Techguylabs.com. You also find a link there to the chat room. Always fun to go into our chat room. I invite you to join us. The uh, chat room has about 800, 700 people in there right now, but it'll sure go up soon. And I love it. One of our uh, chat moderators used to call himself, Can We Bowl, Please? And that was too, too long to type, so he changed it to CWBP. And now he's changed CWBP to, Can We Buy Peeps? Darth Emma has changed her name to Darth Chocolate. And Houdini has changed his name to Egg-Dini. <laughs> uh, 
Hippity hop. Who's hippity hop? <laughs> uh, instead of war poly, we got war bunny. So we, we've got an Easter, Easter theme going on right now. And Dr. Mom is Dr. Matzah. <laughs> uh, join us in the chat room. It's always fun. It's kind of the, you know, uh, remember when school, there was always some wiseacres in the back of the class. That's them. Mouthing off, making comments, making faces, cracking the other class members up while I'm trying to talk up here in front. Neil, Phoenix, Arizona. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Happy Easter, Neil. Thank you for taking my call, first of all. My pleasure. I love your show. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I love your shows. I've been following you ever since, well, for quite a while, but especially since you started the iPad show. In fact, that's what got me to um, buy the iPad uh, 1 back in the day. Great. Last year. Thank you. Um, but I have another issue today. I currently have my iPhone 3GS that I bought about a year ago. When I was I did not know if or when Verizon, who had been my carrier for many years, would ever get an iPhone. And, of course, they ultimately did. Um, but now I'm here in Phoenix. I've learned that Verizon, whom I did like as a carrier, um, actually now has 4G service, LTE service. Oh, that's exciting. In my, in my neighborhood. The, the dilemma is I still have my 3GS, and if I wanted a Verizon uh, 4G LTE phone, I'm going to have to get either an Android phone I... or wait for, and, that, and of course we don't know if, uh, Apple will even put out an iPhone 5 with the LTE service. I know that you mentioned you like the Android phones, but I have an Apple environment, if you will. I right. have Mobile Me and a Mac and, and right. the iPad and so forth. I'm wondering what your thoughts on, is it worth going to the Android phone to get the LTE service? Cause I, um, well, let me, device. I'll tell you the facts as far as, uh, as I see them is I don't think Apple's going to release an, an LTE compatible phone, a 4G phone this year at all. Uh, they will release an iPhone 4 this year, uh, 5 this year, I'm pretty sure, and it will, of course, be available on uh, Verizon. The latest rumors we've seen is that it is bezeled, it's really thin, and a slightly smaller screen, which I think is kind of, if that's the case, it's kind of a disappointment. It will probably have a better camera, I would, ex I would expect that. It will almost certainly, in fact, I would say definitely have the new A5 chip that they put in the iPad, so it'll be a faster phone. It'll be a desirable phone, but... Uh, the 4G right now chipset that's required for 4G is is uh, a little clunky, a little big, and certainly if they do do this, thinner phone will not fit. So I think it's highly unlikely, highly unlikely that Apple will do an LTE phone this year. So with that said, is it then worth making the jump, if you will, to get that speed to go to, say, an Android? I was at a Droid chart. Well, you have to you have to make the decision. I think so, but I already made the jump because I like Android better than iPhone anyway. So I may be the wrong guy to ask. Okay, let me ask you this. Let's assume I make that jump. Is there a good way to bring all the mobile me functionality to the yeah. Android? Yeah, without mobile me. Say I'll save you a hundred bucks a year. Although I, again, I expect Apple to to start giving away Mobile Me when iPhone five comes out. But here's the deal: the Google phones, all the Android phones, are are based on the Google uh, uh, applications: Google Calendar, Google Contacts, Google Voice, um, syncing files you can do with Dropbox or other programs. Um, it's a much less closed system, so it actually is easier to do those things on an Android phone than it is on the iPhone. On the iPhone, you have to do it Apple's way. 
So, for instance, you're, I'm a Mac user too, and I am still an Android user. I, uh, you know, iPhone's nice, but iPhone is very rigid. You have to use iTunes, for instance. You have to use Apple's keyboard. You can't use an alternative keyboard. Um, applications have to be stacked in rigid rows and columns. Period. Four o'clock, four across, four or five down, and that's the only way it can be. All of these things are fine for uh, users who don't want complexity. It's Apple's way or the highway. Well, that's simple. But if you want choice, if you want a choice of hardware, if you want a choice of carriers, if you want a choice of what's on your desktop, a choice of even applications uh, and application sources, for instance, you can get your apps from Amazon as well as from the Android marketplace. All of these things point to Android. Now, uh, some people, some Apple people who are real Apple fanatics say that the Android fit and finish is somehow lacking. That This is such a subjective judgment. That isn't as beautiful. So go play with it. I'll tell you my favorite Android phones right after the break. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Gil in Van Nuys, California. Hey, Gil, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yeah, hi, Leo. So, Gil, you got a netbook. Yes. Uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, I spoke to you before, and you recommended the uh, uh, D-band to... Uh, uh, well, we to talked drive. yesterday, yeah. Yes. yes, but unfortunately, my issue is that I don't have any recovery disk oh. for the unit, and uh, uh, it doesn't have any uh, DVD or CD drive. Uh, oh, it's all on the, it's all on the partition, the, uh, the hidden partition. Okay, now, how, how do I uh, get that off before I uh, uh, wipe the drive? Uh, only use D-Ban on the unhidden partition. You okay. you do one fact because whoever's going to get this netbook, Gil's Gil's selling or giving away his netbook wants to wipe his data. Whoever gets it obviously needs to have that recovery partition. Now they can yeah. also put another operating system on it. They could put Linux on it with a USB key. You can install Windows from a USB key even, so they can still install it. But I would suggest either backing up that hidden partition before you do this in fact it wouldn't be a bad idea anyway okay. uh, or but but when you use dban you don't have to you don't have to erase all the partitions uh you have an acer right an aspire one yes i'm going to put a link in the show notes to tell you how to do this step by step techguylabs.com leo laporte the tech guy and it's time to talk about technology. Yeah, I'm live today, Easter Sunday. So uh, get that Cadbury egg. Get your peeps. Gather around the radio kids. We're going to talk about computers and the Internet and cell phones and camcorders. Nice, uh, nice little conversation going on in the chat room over Android versus iPhone. Everybody has their own uh, opinion on that, and that's fine. That's why I promote choice. That's why it's great to have competition. That's why you don't want a monopoly of any kind in, uh, in technology. Because uh, the more players, the better the variety, the better the choice, more innovation, and lower cost, lower prices. All of that's good. Uh, and, and frankly, when Apple was the only game in town, I think that there was a little, you know, it was a little bit of a challenge. Now that there are other choices, I think it's great. And one of your choices, absolutely, can be the iPhone. That's fine. Right, Kara? Right. 8888, <laughs> uh, Ask Leo, that's the phone number. A lot of attention paid this week to the fact that the iPhone is uh, recording and saving your location data to a file on the iPhone, a file which is then copied to your computer. 
when you back up and in fact is preserved if you restore your backup on your next phone, your phone after that. So for many of us who've had iPhones for some years, we can actually access that file. There's a program online that gets the data from that file and, sh and make a map of everywhere we've been for the last four years. <laughs> does that surprise you? Do, I mean, to be honest, does that surprise you? Of course the iPhone is keeping track of where you are. So does uh, every phone. Um, these devices are, in fact, amazing spy devices. I'm not even so worried about location information. Let's not forget the iPhone and every other phone has a microphone and a camera. And we've learned recently that applications can turn those on without warning you or asking your permission. There are three applications, to my knowledge, on the iPhone that turn on the microphone. Color is one of them. There's a, uh, a television program, a television uh, check-in program that's like Shazam. You hold it up to the TV, and it decides what TV show you're watching, and says it. I guess that one you know it's turning on the mic because you're holding it up, right? So that's not so bad. Uh, but it's, it, it bugs me when I learned that it, that it is completely possible for an application on the iPhone to turn on the microphone and listen without warning you in any way. Shouldn't that scare you a little more than the fact that it's, you know it's keeping track of where you go. On, the, uh, on Android phones, when you first install it, uh, pay attention. It says, Google would like to keep track of what you're doing, <laughs> of where you go. And we would like to log that and send it back from time to time uh, to uh, the servers, anonymized. And there's a checkbox, and you get to say yes or no. Of course, you do that once the, the first time you use the phone, and you probably forget that it's doing it, but it is doing it. In fact, uh, you can go, if you use Google Latitude, you can, you can see everywhere you've been. I like it. It's, to me, that's a feature. Uh, so I have to say all the hand-wringing about, oh, Apple's keeping track of where you are. Well, you got a phone. You got a GPS. Um, it's good that people be aware of this. I think it's important that Apple says this more clearly. It is in the terms of service, by the way. The 35-page terms of service. You did read that, didn't you? Well, if you didn't read that, I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> I'm being facetious. But that's Apple's response. Well, wait a minute. They can opt out. Just turn off the uh, location services. That's Apple's response. They, uh, Congressman Markey asked them this a year ago. That was Apple's response. No, no. They said, we said, we told them, it was in the terms of service, that we would be tracking your whereabouts and that if you decided you didn't want that, just turn off the GPS. We told you. Truth is, uh, I'm not, it's not even Apple. I'm, your phone company knows where you are, right? Every sing I've talked about this before. Every single phone, every single wireless carrier in the U.S. has a portal for law enforcement where they can go and pay a small fee and get your location anytime. Your location now, your location last month, last week, last year, anytime. This, this you should know this. If you carry one of these around, it's a spy device and it knows where you are. And if you're gonna, if you're a criminal listening, and I know we do have many criminals who listen to the show. <laughs> Don't take your cell phone the next time you're out on a job. Because they don't have to ask you in court, where were you on the evening of March 13th, 27? They can say, I have here a complete record of everywhere you've been for the last four years, and I can see you were at the scene of the crime.
Don't take your phone with you if you don't want it to spy on you. That's all. And uh, and that's why if you ever watch you ever watch The Wire, what a, that's a great show on HBO. The drug dealers on The Wire, what do they do? They need cell phones. They buy phones at the drugstore. They call them burners. They have no information at all about who owns it. And they throw them away every four days. Crooks know this. One of the guys, somebody in the chat room, Web 4353, say, Leo, don't give criminals such good advice. They know this. It's you and I that don't know it. They know this is a spy device. Jason Bourne, in every movie, he takes the phone from the ingenue. She gets in the car. Jason, you're so handsome, and I'm running away. And she says, well, the first thing we do is we smash the cell phone. <laughs> of course they know this. I'm, I'm really surprised. And I, you know, I think it's interesting that uh, this gets so much press. It says, I guess people don't know it, but if you listen to this show, you know it now. And uh, frankly, to be honest with you, I don't mind. I love having all that information available. Who cares? I'm not, you know... If, if uh, AT&T wants to know where I am, fine. If Apple wants to know where I am, fine. Hey, I uh, wanted to mention the passing of one of the greats in our business. Um, you know the name Harmon? The Harmon Stereos? Harmon Carden? Sidney Harmon. He uh, invented the first integrated hi-fi system in the 50s. He is... The kind of entrepreneur that, you know, makes makes this industry so interesting. He got a physics degree at City College of New York, served in the Army during World War II, where he developed a, quote, sonic deception broadcasting machine that was used to confuse the Germans at the Battle of the Bulge. I don't know. I don't know how it worked, but he came back after the war, developed a high-fidelity sound system, borrowed $10,000 in venture capital, and uh, created Harman Kardon. But he didn't stop there. Harmon's business, Harmon International Industries, did speakers, amplifiers, home theater systems, voice-activated telephones, GPS systems, climate controls. He passed away uh, last week at the age of 92 years old. One of the last things he did, August 2010, he bought Newsweek magazine. <laughs> this guy never stopped. He, uh, he bought it for a dollar from the Washington Post Company and $47 million in debt and uh, tried to save the magazine. An amazing fellow. So uh, he was Deputy Commerce Secretary in 1977 and uh, an inventor and a genius. And, you know, from an earlier era of technology inventors, Sidney Harmon. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number if you have a question, if you want to talk about tech. If you uh, want some buying advice, some hand-holding on the information superhighway, that is what I do. And I'm here for you on this Easter Sunday, 888-827-5536. Or go to the website. That's probably the easiest way. The phone number's there. All the information's there at techguylabs.com. Uh, I don't know. I should check if James is writing everything down. I think he's going to do it later in the day, take an Easter Sunday off. But it will all be there by later today or tomorrow at techguylabs.com. One thing that's there right now is a link to our chat room. Always a lot of fun in there, even on an Easter Sunday. Go Sunday, go in there and bother the bunnies. 800 folks in there right now. 8888-ASK-LEO-TechGuyLabs.com. Uh, we return to your calls right after this. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Line 2, Anthony, Detroit, Michigan. Hello, Anthony. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Good, good you there for us. Thank you for being there. I'm here, baby. What can I do for you? 
Hey, uh, I can't um, get any videos on my computer, you know, that, that, uh, that go along with a, a news story or something. Uh, my, they want me to upgrade. They said I need to upgrade my uh, Adobe Flash yeah. um, reader. Or, and when I try to download it, uh, nothing happens. It don't even um, download it. don't even begin to download it. Okay. You got to be really careful, by the way. This is a one way that bad guys use to get into your system, uh, and they do this on on Facebook a lot. You'll see uh, somebody will send somebody you know will send you a Facebook message that says, "Anthony, I got video from last night. You won't believe this." It'll say your name. It came from somebody you know. It's a link. Oh my gosh! I what? I don't remember what happened. I thought I was home last night. Did I did I do something? Oh my goodness! So you'll you'll freak out. That's what they want, by the way. They don't want you thinking. They want you acting. You'll click that link. It'll take you to a page that looks just like YouTube. And uh, and you'll go, oh, my goodness. It's on YouTube. And you'll click play, and it'll say, sorry, your flash is out of date. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Oh, no. Quick. Quick update flash because I got to see this video. What did I do last night? And it won't be flash. It won't be flash. It will be a bug. It'll be malware. You'll download it, install it, and now... You know, you'll never see the video because there is no video. It'll say, I, I can't play it. Sorry. But now you're infected. So be very careful, folks, when you get these messages. Now, you do need to get the Flash Player updated. Uh, if you Google Flash Player, you'll find an Adobe page. It's adobe.com. Adobe makes it slash product slash Flash Player. And you want to install that. Version 10.2, probably what's happened is, uh, actually, get, this is the direct uh, link, get.adobe.com slash flash player. You know, I got an easier way to do this, and it's a better and a more secure way, Anthony. Get Google Chrome. It's a better browser, that fire. I think, than Firefox or even IE. And it's free. It's from google.com slash chrome, C-H-R-O-M-E. It has Flash built in. Chrome is very secure. In fact, one of the things it does is it builds a sandbox around Flash so the, so the, the Flash, which has had security issues, is protected. And it's just a great browser. And, and this will fix your Flash problem. You can go to get.adobe.com and get the new Flash. Don't get it anywhere else. Remember, bad guys use this. Get it from Adobe. And that may fix the problem. If not, try Chrome. Google.com slash Chrome. <sighs> We're out of, out of time. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you next week. Have a great Geek Week. Leo Laporte, Big Ten.